Let's go to the Lord again. God, as we turn to the preaching of your word on this Easter morning, God, cause us to see you in your glory, to receive the truth. May you be pleased today. May we be better off. May we see your good. May we be transformed by the working of your spirit in our life. God, I pray that you will use this day for the good of your people. God, may we see that this day is a day like no other, for we celebrate the risen Savior. God, help us to see you in the text. Father, I pray that you'll help me to be your instrument. Help me not to speak in error, but to exposit clearly by your grace. Father, I pray that you will use this day. It's in your name. Amen. Easter is a really special day. Once a year, we set aside everything that we're doing. We gather our families in the church. We turn all our attention to this day. I'm pausing our sermon series, my sermon series through 2 Timothy because of Easter. It's right and it's good to set aside this day. It's the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate because the tomb is empty. His is the only grave that doesn't have a body. And while we make today a special time, we really celebrate the resurrection every Sunday when we gather. We gather on the first day of the week and we worship God because of the resurrection. It is the resurrection that gives us reason to celebrate and to worship Christ, not just on Easter and not just on Sundays even, but really every day. The gospel of Christ that says Jesus rose from the grave on the third day is why we gather together and why we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The resurrection shows us that Christ really is who he says he is. And he is the way of salvation. It shows that God has fulfilled his promise long ago that he made to Abraham and really all the way back in the Garden of Eden that there is some connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That God is faithful, He remains the same, and He's true. In verse 3 of our text this morning, we're told Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. To understand this, to see why Jesus would have such glory that he is worthy of such esteemed glory. And to see why this is such a great passage for Easter, we need to see why the Hebrews writer is talking about Moses and to begin with why the book of Hebrews is even in the Bible. It serves a very important purpose 
for celebrating Easter. The book of Hebrews makes the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. If you have read the Old Testament and have found it hard to understand, read Hebrews. You'll begin to see the connection. It explains why Christians, as as Christians, we keep the Old Testament and why it is still important to us and why we should read it and know it and thank God for it. Hebrews can be summarized in three words. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. That is what the whole book is about. It begins by God saying he spoke to his people by the prophets. But now Jesus has spoken and his words are greater Then Jesus is greater than the angels. For those who are into spirits and spiritual beings, Jesus is greater. And now at the beginning of chapter 3, we see Jesus is greater than Moses. Now, Bible scholars think that there's good evidence that the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians. So the author saying that Jesus is greater than Moses is a really big deal because Moses was a national hero. He was the national hero hero of the Jews. They looked up to Moses. His memory and his words had a huge influence in how the Jews lived. Think of when you were a child. Think of who you looked up to and who you admired and who you wanted to be like. The Jews held Moses in high regard, almost like a godlike status. He was held higher than anyone else. Now, they had their heroes like King David and Queen Esther, but Moses was on a whole nother level. Maybe you know the story of Moses. He was born and placed in a basket on the Nile River because his life was in danger. He was found by Pharaoh's daughter and he was raised in Pharaoh's household, then learned he was really a Hebrew slave. When he was about 40 years old, Moses struck an Egyptian and he killed him because he was beaten up on another Hebrew. He then fled into the wilderness of Midian, where he spent 40 years tending sheep. During that time, while he was out with his sheep, he was up on a mountain and he saw a burning bush. God called to him from the bush to go deliver his people out of slavery and bring them to the promised land. Moses obeyed God and he went back to Egypt He went to Pharaoh and he said, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go. Pharaoh didn't listen. So God sent ten plagues. The last plague would kill the firstborn in all of Egypt when the Lord would pass over the houses at night. Except for those who had blood covering their doorway and on on the doorposts. God would pass over them and spare them. Moses instructed all the Hebrews to take the blood and to put it on the doorpost and on the doorway. And they listened and they were safe. 
that night there was a great cry that went up throughout all of Egypt. And Pharaoh summoned Moses and he let the Hebrews go. Then there was the parting of the Red Sea, the establishment of the Jewish community. There was the giving of the Ten Commandments. Moses has written the first five books of the Bible. He's credited with writing what's called the Pentateuch. And then leading the people to the promised land. The Jews saw God giving them Moses to deliver them and make them a great nation. Maybe you don't look up to Moses like the Jews did. But is there someone that you hold in high regard? Is there someone you want to be like? Do you hold this person in high esteem? Maybe it's not a childhood hero. Maybe it's you. Maybe you see yourself as the hero of your life. Maybe it's someone else you turn to and you try to emulate. There are people who do good things in this life that we look up to. There are those who achieve what only others dream of, but none are like Jesus. There are similarities between Jesus and Moses. Like Moses, Jesus was, when he was born, his life was in danger. Instead of putting him into a basket, Jesus' parents took him to Egypt. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus spent 40 days. Like Moses, at the appointed time, Jesus began his ministry of delivering God's people. In our text, both Jesus and Moses are considered faithful to God. But only Jesus was obedient and never sinned. That is not saying that that Moses is bad and Jesus is good. I'm saying Jesus is greater. Moses was faithful to God. That's what our text says. But Moses still had sin. There were times when Moses disobeyed God. At at other times, he doubted God. Moses did accomplish a lot, though. He was a leader. He was an author. He was a mediator between God and his people. But he gave in to temptation. He was not perfect. And maybe hearing that, that Moses wasn't perfect, maybe you're thinking, well, no one is perfect. And that's the problem. Everyone has a flaw called sin. That's why even Moses in Deuteronomy 18.15 looked for someone else to come and save God's people. Moses was faithful to God. And he served him in his house. But notice what it says Here in Hebrews in our passage, look with me, starting in verse 4. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house 
as a son. Moses was faithful as a servant in God's house. But Jesus built the house. Jesus is God and God builds the house. Before the creation of the world, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He existed and He created the world. He built all that you and I see. He built everything in this world. Moses was faithful. He was faithful as a servant in God's house. But look at the end of verse 5. Moses testified to the things that were to be spoken later. Moses delivered God's people. Moses led them in the old covenant. But he was not the one to save God's people. All that Moses was, all that he did, was pointing to someone greater. The good you see in someone else, even the good that you may do sometimes, the good that we see is pointing to someone greater. Moses sacrificed much. He endured a lot. There's even a lot to admire about Moses. But at the end of Moses' life, he died. Whoever it is you look to, even if they're as great as Moses, they're mortal. Their life will end someday. And if it's, if it's someone you look up to and they're already dead, maybe it's a historical figure, the best they can do is being an example of how to be moral and successful. But there's more to you than your actions and your achievements. You have a soul. No one who's dead can help your soul. No person can give you a heart that is right before God. Moses, he was aware of this. He instituted the sacrificial system that you read about throughout the Old Testament. God gave his law, and the law is even called the law of Moses. And if the people broke it, Moses interceded for them. He knew the people needed to be forgiven of their sins. God told Moses to appoint his brother Aaron as a high priest to oversee the sacrifice as payment for their sin. But all this, all this was looking to the future, to something greater. In Hebrews, in chapter 10, verse 1, we find the law was a shadow of good things to come. Moses fulfilled his role. Moses did it well. He was faithful. But God had something greater in mind. He had a new covenant coming and it would be established forever by his son, Jesus Christ. This is where it ends with the comparison between Moses and Jesus. The writer in Hebrews tells us in verse 1, Consider Jesus. For your good, spend some time thinking about Jesus. 
all who share in the heavenly calling that he has ushered in, consider Jesus. Think about who he is. Let your mind be filled with all the truth that you know of him. Consider him and your heart will burst with love. You know, so often we hear advice to clear our minds if we want rest and peace. But God never says that. You won't find that in the Bible. He says, fill your minds with the truth. Think of God and his glory and his goodness. So being told to to consider Jesus That is a word for you this morning for your encouragement. We have Easter to consider Jesus. Be encouraged to remember, or maybe today, to finally know that Jesus is greater. Think of the Son of God agreeing with the Father and the Spirit to demonstrate His love and His grace before life ever began. Jesus has done what no one else can do. At the right time in history, He left His place of glory, humbling Himself and becoming a man, living a rather obscure life as a carpenter's son for about 30 years. And then at the right time, fulfilling both the promise of God and our part of the covenant. Spending three years of ministry, clearly demonstrating who he is and gathering followers and discipling them. And then at the appointed time, Christ was betrayed and arrested. He was accused of lying and being of the devil. He was spat on. He was struck, whipped and flogged, stripped of his dignity, mocked with a crown of thorns, abandoned by those who had once been with him, taken outside the city, and then crucified with thieves. But most importantly, worse than that, the Son, then crying out to the Father, Why have you forsaken me? The Trinity never being broken, yet the Son bearing the Father's wrath, bearing our sin on the tree and taking our punishment, becoming a curse, the righteous for the unrighteous. And there he died saying, it is finished. At his death, the, gr- the day grew dark and the ground shook. The curtain in the temple was torn in two. This was not a death of defeat. It was not the end. It was a death of triumph. What man intended for evil, God intended for good. The Son of Man was lifted up and all who look upon the Savior to save them, they are saved. His death atones for sin. His death shows us what it takes for God to accept as payment for sin. Of your sin and my sin, 
Jesus endured this and he died. He died with joy so that you may live. Not a life that's made better here to make it as good as it can be. No, it's a greater life. One that goes into all eternity. A life with him that brings peace with God and peace in your soul. Just a few days ago on Good Friday, we remember Christ willingly going to the cross for us. It's there that the Father's love for us is shown. In the death of Christ, our sin is atoned for. He did, in fact, die. He is the perfect sacrifice. His death was accepted by the Father. Nothing else is needed. Before his death, though, Jesus had predicted his resurrection on several occasions. He said he would raise up the temple of his body in three days. Moses couldn't do that. Whoever you looked up to as a child, they can't do that. Superstars today, they can't do that. The Pharisees thought Jesus was crazy for saying something like that. Jesus said he had the power to lay down his life and to take it up again. He called himself the resurrection and the life. He was obedient in death, and he now lives by his own power. Jesus can never die again. His death will bring an end to death. It has no more dominion over him. He lives, and in his loving kindness for his people, he gives life. He gives life to all who will repent and trust in him. And in his death is the road to life. Because by his own divine power, Christ left the tomb. He is alive today. Consider Jesus. Look upon Jesus and see him of the fulfillment of all that is good and lovely. Reflect on his life and his death. Think about what it cost him for you to be saved. What a savior he is. And as you think of Christ, what he has accomplished, there's more to consider in verse 1. Because of Jesus, all who are in Christ are holy brothers and sisters. That's how we're addressed. You who share in a heavenly calling. Because of Jesus, you are holy and you share in a heavenly calling. Because of what he accomplished on the cross and because he was raised from the dead. Because he has conquered death. His eternal life is now yours in faith. You share a calling that's holy and blameless. By his grace, God has made you alive in Christ. And you are part of his family. And you share in his eternal rest. Not of your doing. Not of anyone you could possibly, anyone else you could look up to. 
No, this is all of Christ. His resurrection makes him greater than Moses and everyone else. In Christ, we become brothers and sisters, and God is our Father. In verse 1, the Hebrew writer calls Jesus the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Moses could be called the apostle and the high priest of the Old Testament. He was sent of God, and he was Israel's advocate before God for a time. But Jesus is the sent one. Throughout his life, Jesus repeatedly said that he was sent by the Father. He comes before Moses, not just in importance, but in time. Before the foundation of the world, his mission was set to save you and me, to deliver us. He is sent with the authority of God to represent him. None could do it better. The Hebrew writer says in chapter 1, verse 3, he, talking of Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. All the men who came in history before Jesus' birth, speaking to the people, telling them what God said, all of them, including Moses, were precursors to the coming of Christ. Jesus was the messenger of God's love and grace because he is God's love and grace. His grace is given to all of God's people through Jesus Christ. His apostleship is what delivers God's people and leads them to a land far greater than Canaan. A land with God's peace and love and eternal goodness. And God says nothing will ever take you out of there. Nothing. An apostle represents God's people. Let me correct myself. An apostle represents God before the people, okay? An apostle represents God before the people. Jesus declared God's truth, and he is God's truth. A priest represents the people before God. An apostle represents God before the people. A priest represents the people before God. Jesus is the perfect God-man. He knows both God and man. He never lost his divinity, yet fully man, interceding and representing God's people before the Father. He is our high priest. The priest is the one who atones for the people. Jesus did this on the cross. Moses was given the role of establishing the atonement through sacrifice, but Moses couldn't atone for himself. He needed atonement. It was his brother, Aaron, 
who became the priest. But in Jesus, we have a priest who's far greater. He didn't need atonement. He is atonement. This is our confession. Jesus is the one sent by the Father who stands in our place, knowing us better than we know ourselves, knowing our weaknesses and our frailties, yet never himself sinning. Knowing we needed rescue, he saves us with the faith that he gives us. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the one who frees for all eternity. He delivers us. To confess this is more than just acknowledging it. It's to submit to Him as the one God sent to lead you and to trust Him for your deliverance. It's giving up all other efforts to try and free yourself and to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Your life being His, your confidence being in Him, your heart belonging to Him. This makes Jesus more worthy of glory than Moses. Moses' ministry ended when he died. Because Jesus died and he rose again, that he's alive today, that tomb is empty. Jesus' ministry goes on today for you and for me. His ministry will never end. So where is your confidence this morning? What is it that you confess? Do you admire your accomplishments a mentor's? Perhaps some, some other high figure? Are you looking to the stars today? And I'm not talking up in the cosmos. I'm talking about the people all over social media and the internet, TV, movies. Are you looking up to celebrities? Or do you look to Christ, the deliverer of souls? Jesus is the deliverer that Moses and the rest of Israel hoped for. He is the builder of God's house. And you are part of that house if you trust in Christ. Verse 6 confirms this. Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, we can stand on verse 6. We are His house if we indeed hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. We have this confidence and we are given hope because the tomb is empty. Christians put all of their hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything that Christians are and everything we hope for is found in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is his resurrection that conquers death. It overcomes our battle with our own sin. It gives us new life and his resurrected life. Even if you were to die today of coronavirus, you will forever live with Christ. The resurrection is our confidence. The greatest news of world history is that Jesus Christ was raised from the grave on the third day. 
If Jesus was unable to overcome death, it would have verified that Jesus was a false Messiah. But when Jesus was raised from the grave on the third day, it fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament. It confirmed who Moses was pointing to and validated his own claims to be the Son of God, the Deliverer who sets God's people free. The story of Moses leading God's people out of Egypt, the great exodus, while it's true, it is historical It's pointing to a greater exodus led by Jesus out of the darkness of sin and into the marvelous light of God. Into the presence of God where his grace and his forgiveness and his love forever reign in a shared. Moses may have performed miracles to show the greatness of God, Jesus performed miracles to show the greatness of himself because he is God. This is why we have, we have reason to celebrate on Easter. Today on Easter, consider Jesus. Confess he is the great deliverer who saves you. And worship him for he is living. He is no longer dead. He is alive and interceding for all of God's people. And He's leading us home to the Father. God be praised. Jesus be glorified. Our confidence and our hope is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray.